wow. Wow. Man, great to see you. Saying loud things. Yeah. Overly complicating the intro because I never plan. Just like my life. <laughs> Failure to plan is a plan to fail. Mm, let's talk about that. No, let's not. We just we just got uh, finished with the episode on accountability. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. I'm hoping we yeah a couple of weeks ago we finished that episode. Yeah, that was that's real right. fun. Yeah, just <laughs> broke the time whatever there. Fourth wall. Yeah, was that a? What was that? I was trying to think of the phrase we used a couple of episodes ago about dynamics, thermo water or something. Water, oh, oh, water physics, underwater physics, underwater animated physics. water physics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the record, I did use it a few times that day, and it, it didn't go well. Oh, Tim yeah, Bell was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect use we of gotta, We gotta quit name dropping people that like are like national listeners who have no idea who well, they are. I think, or we make Tim Bell famous. Yeah, what That's we need to vote. do is just bring Tim Bell into the studio so he can say, we can just have a Tim Bell episode and the title of the episode would be called Here's the Deal. Here's the Deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> Look, here's, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. Here's the deal on accountability. You need it, okay? Here's the deal. That's here, how. Yeah. Here, here's something I read the other day. If somebody says, "Let me be honest with you," they're basically saying, "When I don't say this, I'm not being honest." I'm not being honest. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a bad, usually a bad phrase. There's so many dumb phrases like that out there in the world. Let's talk that about we them. use all the time. Yep. <laughs> so so far we have here's the deal, and I'm going to be honest with you. What's what's another one? Dumb a dumb phrase. It is what it is. That workout uh, was fun. But here's the thing: it is what it is is actually. Very wise, if you think about it. All right, I'm list. I'm intrigued. I refuse. You gotta think that's about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all I had. That, that was your Yoda moment. It is what it is. It is what it is. You can't change it. So well, we we spoke it? last episode about 110 percent. Like you got to give 110 percent. Uh, I think another one of those. Another one of those that drives me crazy is defense wins championships. I'm like, well, you still have to score. Yeah, that's true. Right? How about I mean, how about the whole team wins the championship and we're all it friends? Just, that doesn't go well on a sign at Notre Dame. Yeah, I guess so. The whole team wins a championship. That's like super inspirational. Here's something I hate. I hate text responses of sure, period. Oh, I did this to you yesterday. Yes, you did. Oh. I discussed it with Rachel at nauseum. Mm. Ad nauseum. Sorry. Ad nauseum. Yeah, the sorry. worst text response is K. Yes. Kay. Who still does it? Who still does it? You yeah, should cut pa- those people out of your life. Passive-aggressive people do that. Mm. Wait, isn't this supposed to be at the end of the episode, what we're doing right now? No, no, we'll get to it. Let's, okay. let's hash this out, because I'm very interested. So you're saying sure in any form is unacceptable. It just, I have never read it over text and thought they aren't upset that I just asked them to do this favor for me. Huh. So you like, hear, hey, can you pick me up tomorrow? Yeah, sure. Sure. That's what I hear. That's how you hear it. It, it might be, a, like, even a more... Uh, jerk way of saying K. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Even more passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So what are the levels here? It starts with K, it goes to sure, and it ends with the worst whatever. You could Fine. Say, the worst you could say is sure, chief. <laughs> <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's right below that. Right below that is all right, buddy. Yeah, that was uh, the scale. <laughs> I think I'm going to start adding Chief to the end. I'm going to put that on my Listen here, Chief. I got a bone to pick with you. We're doing the workout, the Chief, on Monday. Hey. hey you going to show up for the workout today? You, you, you going to be there, Chief? <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like we've thoroughly discussed that, uh, thanks to your intro. 
Where are we headed today? What's right, the episode over. All right, until next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris is on the same page. Uh, we're talking about uh, habits, goals, stuff like Hunter's favorite stuff. Oh, okay. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. We're going to the yeah, going to the well of habits and goals. I think though, based on the way Hunter's talking about it, we're going to dig into how to crack the code a little bit on how to get where you're trying to go inside your your fitness journey, inside your CrossFit journey. Do your goals even make sense? Like is like around, like is your life around your goals is it even mm-hmm. yes yeah. sense right? And Absolutely. habits is certainly a loaded topic. Because Thank you. Yeah. Anytime we talk about habits, we're usually talking about bad habits. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very common. That's my favorite thing. To hey, do. Chief, let me run this part of the episode. Uh, so I think I think we should start with probably with goals and then and then back up and and discuss habits and those particular goals. But you guys are obviously around a lot of people that have goals when they enter into CrossFit or have been doing CrossFit for a while, and goals adjust, right? I mean, goals are incredibly dynamic if you're using them correctly because it means that you've met one and now you moved on to the next one if you've had one goal for about four or five years you may need to evaluate unless your goal is to get to the games uh you need to evaluate maybe what your goals are but so let's talk about just quickly to set stage for the conversation of habits good goals and bad goals inside of your fitness journey because a lot of people are very confused about this i think when you're setting goals you need to set goals that you can control if you set goals that are outside of your control, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So, for example, saying, I want to qualify for the CrossFit Games, that might not happen, and it might be nothing that, you know, it's completely out of your control. There just might be people that are better than you, whatever the case may be. You might do everything right to do that. I'm, I'm, I prefer to set goals that are in my control. I can control, like, saying... What is, so for example, if you do want to go to the CrossFit Games, instead of saying my goal is to qualify for the CrossFit Games, I'll say, well, what do I need to do every single day to, that's going to get me closer to achieving that, and then that should be your goal. That's what you need to focus on. Like, hey, all right, I know I can get nine hours of sleep every single night. I know I can track my food every single day. I know I can train every single day. I know I can give 100% effort every single day. Those are things that you can control. They're in your control. And so that's what you should be focusing on. And then that, by doing that every single day, that's going to get you closer to achieving what you want to achieve as opposed to if you just say, if I just throw some random goal out there without ever implementing a process, you're not ever going to achieve it. Um, We can break it down. I want to lose 20 pounds, okay? First off, that's just an arbitrary number. We talked about that before. But why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Okay, all right, so say you do want to lose 20 pounds. Well, how are you going to get there? Just saying that's my goal is not going to get you there. You have to set a process in place. You have to figure out what does it look like for me to do, what do I need to do every single day that's going to get me closer to 20 pounds. And I think what we want to kind of talk about here is how to know if your goals and your habits and the time you're spending every day actually aligns with what you say you want to do. Um, you know, technically, you cut your leg off and lose 20 pounds yeah. as quick as you want. It would be a fast way to do it. So there's a, there's a quote uh, from Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, what you do speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you say. And I think about that a lot with somebody who comes in and tells me, <laughs> hey, I want to lose 20 pounds, but then you ask them about their diet and they're eating, they're letting go every single week. <laughs> well, I eat pretty good, you know, but I had this party here. And what does I that have to do this. with anything? Shuckers <laughs> is open still. Yeah. It hasn't closed down. I had the football the, game the this weekend. And I can't miss the tailgate and I got to eat, you know, all that type of stuff. Well, what you say 
and what you do don't align. And so how do we determine if you're in alignment with what you say you actually want to do? And, and that I, this topic kind of came to my mind because it's something that uh, happened to me recently in my own life that I became aware of and I made changes and it's really helped me out a lot. We, I don't know if we want to go in that now or later. Well, but one I question I have, great, yeah. one question I have, I think is like, who is Ralph Waldo and Emerson? He's a famous, uh, famous guy that wrote famous stuff. Guy. That's yeah. what I thought. Where you quotes. quotes from? Yeah. He wrote a, is he the poet? I think yeah. he spent time yeah. in a pond yeah. or something. Yeah, he's cool. a poet. That's what I thought. So, Go, go ahead, sorry. Well, yeah, I think what I'm picking up on what you're saying, though, is interesting because your, your take on goals is different than anybody I've ever talked to. Your take is different because usually it's like, okay, I want a Corvette, so I'm going to put a picture of a Corvette up on my wall, and I'm going to get that Corvette. Well, that's, that's fine. You can control that. Uh, but it's not just saying, I want to have a Corvette, and then you don't ever do anything. You just wistfully look at the Corvette every single day. Uh, I mean, you have to He's actually reading Emerson. He just uses yeah. wistfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I recognize who he is. Yeah. Wistfully. You, you actually have to do something to get there. And so, um, the quickest way to get achieve anything is find somebody who has it, figure out what they do, and then do what they do. Or you say, "All right, I want to be at X point in a year from now. What does that look like?" What do I? What where do I need to be six months from now, three months from now, one week from now? What do I need to do every single day that's gonna get me to that goal? And so we can just take the weight loss example. If I want to lose twenty pounds in a year, okay, that's five pounds every three months. Okay, that's what a half a pound a week. What do I need to do to lose a half a pound a week? Well, I need to figure out how much food I need to eat. I need to figure out how my macro breakdown. I need to figure out what food I need to eat. I probably need to prep my meals every week. I probably need to track my food every single day, all those type of stuff, and then start, am I doing this every single day? Am I doing something that's going to get me closer to that goal? And so making the big picture goal and then stepping back, how am I going to get there? Instead of just saying, I want to do this, but then not figuring out, oh, how am I going to get there? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, obviously, with the way the rest of this episode is going to go. But I think one thing I want to stop and point out, though, is that most people are very bad at setting goals. Because these goals are either, they're, they're one extreme or the other. They're way too nebulous. Like, well, I just want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, well, there, there are lots of ways to lose 20 pounds. You could go to the local hospital and be on a liquid diet, and you could lose 20 pounds. Like, go for it. Is that the best thing long term? Well, probably not, because it's all going to come back as soon as you stop at McDonald's on the way home from the hospital, that last appointment. Or they're way too specific. Like, we've had people even come through this uh, box that have said, I'm going to make the games. That's my goal. And man, they just go at it like crazy, go at their training like crazy, and then after six months, you don't ever hear from them again because they just burn out because the goal is way too specific. And it was outside of their control for a lot of, you know, for the Castro principle, but also because it's just so far down the road. I mean, this, yeah. that's like a five-year goal. Yeah, and I think maybe they probably never really, that probably was never really their goal. They didn't realize what it entailed. They just kind of said that without really like having a, a reason for wanting to do that. I like, saw it on ESPN yeah, or something. Yeah. You got to have a reason and emotional attachment to that goal. That's going to keep you going towards it. If you don't have a reason, like I can just say, Hey, I want to be uh win an Oscar next year. That's my goal. I'm putting it out there right now. I'm telling you guys, well, I've never acted in a movie before. I don't have any emotional attachment to do that. Like, 
You what? could be on The Walking Dead, though. It'd probably be like <laughs> the, best, the best actor on the show, yeah, right? But say you do, but say I do want to win an Oscar next year. That's that's a very bad goal for me to set because that's so outside of my control. Like I can't control if I get a uh, job in acting in a movie, and then say I do get a job acting in a movie, I can't control whether I get nominated for the show, and then I can't control if somebody else um, just had a better performance than me. A better a better goal would be, um, in that example, I want to, uh, you know, find the best coach that I can and work with him twice a week on my acting for a year, and then make sure I do that every single day, every, you know, every single week for a year. Or I want to spend thirty minutes a day improving my acting craft. I can control that, and by doing that, I will probably be a lot closer to achieving the Oscar than I would just saying I want to win an Oscar and not not do anything else. Yeah. I think the most valuable part we can discuss in this episode is I've watched you two guys individually at different times in your life over the past few years say, man, I'm going to, I've got this goal and what I'm doing isn't helping me get to that goal. Hunter, for you, it was business. Chris, for you, it was uh, your CrossFit. We talked about this, that one just killer open workout where you're like, something has to change. You, not only did you change your goals, but you all and your, your goals basically adjusted, but your habits changed a lot. And kind of the same for you, Hunter. Your goal, you always had the correct goals, but you realized the things that you were doing habitually weren't getting you there. So I think to wrap up the part of the conversation about goals, it's very difficult, I think, to set correct goals for yourself without external input. Because uh, so much stuff makes the, the water so muddy there. To, to talk to other people about Here's a goal that I think I have, and usually as I've seen inside the box here, there are people who are able to say, I see what you're getting at with that goal, but you need to adjust that goal. You need to back it up a little bit or make it a little more specific in this way. So let's say we're just challenging our listeners as you're adopting goals in your life in general to pull other people into that conversation to make sure that those goals are refined in a way that your habits would even make a difference. So let's say that that happens. We've got some correct goals now. How did you guys in, in your life say, okay, now that I have a correct goal, I've refined this goal a little bit, how do I address what I'm doing on a daily basis to make sure that those two things match? Well, for uh, one of the, uh, uh, for a coaching certification that, uh, that I recently finished, uh, part of the, part of the certification was uh, lifestyle coaching, like learning, uh, learning things about yourself and teaching other, teach, being able to teach other people how to uh, correct things in their day-to-day life. Uh, to help them do this specific thing, to help them reach their goal. And the, an exercise that they had us do that was actually really, really powerful was um, they told you to, uh, to write down your, write down your top five priorities and they can be, you know, fair, you know, fairly vague. Like uh, you'd say like a uh, kind of the typical thing for everybody, uh, you know, fa- uh, faith, family, um, Friend. friends, work, personal development, whatever. And then they had you uh, write down like everything that you do for three days, and then you would take everything that you did, and you've got your goals or you got your priorities over here on the side. You just could consider those categories. So like, okay, I I woke up and I prayed. There's a mark for faith. Okay, I woke and then I uh, I called uh, I called an old high school friend. There's a mark for friends, and you go on down the uh, on down the list, and you try to see you know which one has the most marks. You know, like if you're truly, if faith is truly your top priority on that list, shouldn't you have more marks in that up at the top? Yeah. You know, that was a 
that was something really, really cool. And it kind of, it, it's a, it can really open your eyes to shit to say like, you know, wow, I'm either, my life is either not aligning towards this goal or, uh, or maybe it's not even really my goal period. Maybe my life right now will not, will, cannot align to that because I'm prioritizing these other things right now. Yeah, that's really good. That, and that's very similar to what, what I was talking about too. Um, how are you spending your time? Like, really sit down and have an assessment. Well, how did I spend my time today? How did I spend my time this week? I say that I want to do this, but I, I hardly put hardly put any time into this, but I put all this other time into this. So say, for example, you want to um, get in better shape. You want to lose, lose 20 pounds. Come back to example. I say I want to do that, but I only went to the gym twice this week. I spent two hours doing that, and I spent 10 hours watching TV. Okay, well, you say that your goal is a priority to lose 20 pounds, but in reality, your time is showing that your priority is to be entertained because you're spending way more time doing that. And so just having an honest assessment, honest assessment of how I'm spending my time and then what are my habits? Everybody has habits. We are creatures of habit. We develop habits whether you realize it or not. And I, th- I think most people have habits without even realizing that they actually have that habit. Like, for example, like if you work in an office, you go to lunch, you come back, you go to to the break room, you talk to somebody, you, you grab a piece of candy, and then you have that habit of having a piece of candy from the break room every single day. And if you realize that that's a bad habit, that over time is going to make you gain weight, whether you realize you have that habit or not. And so being aware of what habits you have and how you're spending your time is going to show you where your real priorities are because we can say this is a priority this is a priority this priority but in reality our time is spent on these other things and for me my example was you know for me it used to be i was wanting to qualify for the crossfit games that's where i spent all my time that's how i spent my training you know my day centered around my training and my recovery well that's not a priority for me anymore um, my priorities now have shifted. I'm, I'm trying to grow the business. I'm trying to help other people, coach other people, be the best that they can be. I'm trying to develop myself personally. And so this, this summer, especially, I was really having a lot of inner conflict and turmoil because I was getting really frustrated because I had these things I wanted to do and I wasn't getting them done on a weekly basis. Week in, week out, I wanted to write more articles. I wanted to read more. Uh, I wanted to spend more time on the business and all that type of just learning and I wasn't getting it near as much as I as I wanted to get done every single week and I was getting frustrated and um, I was getting down on myself and I started having an honest assessment I was like well why is this happening and it was you know I was trained I would come in and train at 10 every morning but then the lunch class happens and you're talking with people at lunch and you're hanging out with people after lunch and then next thing you know it's two o'clock and I haven't done anything that towards my actual goals that I wrote down. I've written down all these goals I want to achieve in different areas and stuff I want to work towards. Well, I would go to two o'clock and I wouldn't have worked towards any of those, but I spent all this time doing training and stuff, which I don't, is not my priority anymore. So I, I, I had an honest assess with myself. I said, you know what? I need to be spending my day, the first part of my day, working on the stuff that matters. And so I, I changed. I started working on self-development and reading and stuff in the morning and learning and business stuff in the morning and then coming in the gym and working on the business stuff and setting aside time each day to 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 write or make sure I write our article every week make sure I schedule this uh, meeting for the business make sure I do this 
this thing for the business, make sure I, I read this much in, the, in, in some books or something like that to learn. And so now the time that I'm spending every day first is taking me towards my goals. It's going to be stuff that's going to be benefiting me in the long run. And then if I have time at the end of the day, then I make sure I get my workout in. You know, it's fitness is still a priority to me and I still love it. But if I have to skip a few things from the training that day because I just ran out of time, I had a meeting with a potential client or whatever, I'm, I'm not beating myself up over it. Whereas in the summer, I was doing all the training first and everything else was suffering. So it, for me, it was taking an honest assessment of how I'm spending my time, what my habits look like, and saying these do not align with the goals that I've that I've written down for myself and where I want to be in five years. Where I want to be in five years, I'm not going to get there um, on this road because I'm spending too much time doing things that are not getting me there. And so saying I need to be spending the majority of my time doing the things that are, are going to get me to where I want to be in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does a lot. I, I love what you're pointing out there, basically that your habits are kind of the silent killers of your goals and your dreams. And uh, we call them habits for a reason. They're habitual. We basically do them on, on autopilot. I'm interested to hear from you, uh, Chris, as a guy that's very disciplined and has been pursuing goals and accomplishing them, adjusting them. For you personally, what, what were kind of the dangerous habits that you discovered in your life uh, that were compromising your overall goals? Um, same, uh, <laughs> the same ones I still struggle with today. Really? Of, yep. A lot of, a uh, lot of wasted time, a lot of, a uh, lot of distract, uh, giving into a lot of distractions and, um, kind of, uh, I, I had gotten into the habit for a long time of, uh, uh, always having a, like a, regardless of what I was doing, I kind of always having my, my earbuds in and, um, you know, always listening to, uh, you know, either like, like training podcast or something like that, you know, telling myself, you know, that to constantly, uh, want to be, uh, want to be a constant learner and things like that. And then I, and then you kind of get, uh, get off the, uh, off the rails a little bit and then, you know, start listening to, um, other, uh, like podcasts on other subjects. And then like, I look up like, man, I hadn't listened to a single training podcast or, uh, or listened to a book in like a week. And, uh, so those are, uh, those are things that uh, that I still that I still battle uh, that I still battle with that, but um, I try to uh, I try to just you know make sure that I, that I adhere to you know what my uh, uh, what my what my goals are, you know, being as specific as uh, as I can with them, and uh, and just trying to take it trying to take it day by day. Not every day is going to uh, is going to be perfect, but uh, trying not to. I think. Uh, um, if I, if I had to put a word on it, like self-sabotage would be, would be it. It's not really the, uh, exter it's not really external factors. It's more internal. And one thing that I'm really rough on is that I'm hypercritical of myself and I will almost, uh, if I, if I make, if I make too many mistakes, I will almost hide from myself. And that's probably where that seeking escape from the, the other information is like, if I don't, if I'm not diving into these, uh, uh, those, uh, to things that are going to benefit me as a coach, like I'm supposed to, like I'm supposed to do, you know, then I don't have, like I can, I don't have to live in there and I don't have to be disappointed in myself. Yeah. That. That's, that's great assessment, man. And I think that's the word that really affects us so much when we're talking about habits 
is being able to stop and assess, you know, how, how am I spending my time? So I'm just wanting to break this down to its most basic level because I know we have a lot of clients in, in this box specifically. They're like, I want to change. I want to be different. I want to accomplish new things. And when we start talking about habits and goals, like, okay, great. But how do I even, you know, we have said on this podcast before, if you sit down to keep a journal of what you eat, your, your, uh, what do you call it? The recall, the recall of what you've eaten is like terrible. It's just yeah. terrible. And I think habits is, is exactly the same for some of us. I include myself in this number. We've spent 20 years developing particular habits and coping mechanisms and that stuff just kind of disappears. It, how, what is the best way for us people who are trying to get better and making your habits match your goals? What's the best way to assess? Well, and the, the fact of the matter is you are the sum of your habits. You're, you are what your habits are, and what your habits are is what, what you're going to become. And so if you want to change, you have to change your habits. That's, that's just how it happens. That's how it works. Um, there's, a, there's another quote I wanted to, to read you. Uh, this is from Tim Ferriss' books, tool, Tim Ferriss's book, Tools of Titans. And it's, uh, hold on, my phone just twisted on me. Losers have goals, winners have systems. And so what that means is you figure out what you want. First, you have to do figure out what you want, where you want to be. And the majority of people, they don't have any idea where they want to be in five years. If I, if I come up to you and say, where do you want to be in five years? I don't know. Well, first, you got to figure out where, where, where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, no road's going to get you there. So first, you got to figure out where you want to go. That in the gym, outside the gym, whatever. So say it's in the gym. I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, that's where I'm going. Well, what do I need to do? What road do I need to go down every single day to get there? Because there's there's infinite amount of roads. Well, what road do I need to do? What that first you need to determine how what am I actually doing? How am I spending my time? Break it down. What am I spend my time doing today? At the end of the day, you can write that down. Or at the end of the week, how did I spend my time this week? How much time did I spend on Instagram? How much time did I spend on Facebook? How much time did I spend on Netflix? How much time did I spend? you know, eating out, whatever, and then say, okay, well, what do I need to replace those times with to be able to get towards my goal? And that's, 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 it's really that simple. Um, and everybody knows what it takes to lose weight. You got to eat healthy and exercise. Well, you need to figure out a way to make it a system that you do it every single day. And that applies to every aspect of life. First, you got to figure out what you want to want, what you want to do. And then you got to figure out how to get there. And, you know, I, I, I feel with Chris and what he was talking about earlier because, you know, I feel the same way. I want to get better, but then sometimes you have these self-sabotaging habits like procrastination or whatever the case may be where you're like, oh, I'll do this tomorrow. And you develop this habit over time of putting things off and then they don't ever get done. Um, and so figuring out a way to, hey, I am where I am because I deserve to be at this point in my life. This is exactly where I have gotten based off the person that I have been and the person I am now. Man, if that's I was a strong statement right there. It is. You you are responsible for where you're at in your life. If you're not happy with where you are in your life, it comes down to you. Period. Nobody else. You can't blame anybody else. It's all to you. You are where you deserve to be. If you aspire to be somewhere else, you know, uh, better, then you have to become a better person. You have to develop better habits. You have to cut out the bad habits. And that is going to be a step-by-step -step process. And, let, and if you don't ever change your habits and what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, you're never going to change your, lot, your, your spot in life.
because you, every single person deserves to be where, where they are. Yeah, some people might have been born with certain advantages and, and whatever the case may be, but here's the bottom line. You are where you deserve to be in life, and if you want to get better, you have to make yourself better. And how do you do that? By changing your habits. You are the sum of your habits. And that's what I, I want to get across to people. You are what you repeatedly do every single day, not Monday through Thursday. You are what you repeatedly do seven days a week, 365 days a year. If you eat good five days a week and you eat bad two days a week, then you're going to get 70% uh, results on everything that you do because you're only putting in 70% of the work. Mm. Yeah, mic drop. I feel like <laughs> Mike, it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't drop it right there. Don't, we, get, we get your point. Uh, but I think it's good because I think a lot of let's, – let's be honest about this. A lot of people hide behind goals. And uh, it's like you start out this conversation by saying you, you can say goals all day long. Well, Show here, me what you're doing. Here's the thing. Goals make you feel good. When you when, As soon as you start talking about goals, you start getting um, these feelings inside the, what, uh, that you start putting off dopamine because you're already getting the feeling of what it's going to feel like to get that. And that's why people, some people, they just go and tell everybody, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And they're always telling everybody, I'm posting on Facebook, I can't wait to do this, I'm working towards this. Because every time they say it, they're getting that little dopamine hit of what it feels like, then they don't even need to achieve it. They're already getting the dopamine effect every single time they say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And how many people do we know who say they're going to do something different every single week, you know, or they're always talking about what they're going to do eventually, but they're not working towards it. A better um, way to achieve it is figure out what you want to do and tell one or two people that are going to hold you accountable like we talked about last week and then keep it to yourself and, and figure out what I need to do to get there and then you'll be a lot more likely to get there than constantly saying I want to do this I want to do that you know so let me ask you because you, you guys uh, both mess around with this habit idea a lot I've heard uh, a lot of people say recently that if you want to create this ability to develop good habits you have to start small you have to start with small things like I'm literally I'm going to hang my keys up every time I walk in the house I'm going to make sure that my clothes are ready the day before things like that have you guys experienced that as being beneficial yeah um, um, I know uh, uh, one thing that I that I wanted to uh, that I want to start doing that I that I did uh, or I started about a year ago was uh, to not hit the snooze alarm ever like as soon for as soon as uh, to get up on the first alarm every single time, and um, and I got I uh, got really uh, really good uh, really good about about that, and uh, I learned that from um, um, uh, Jocko uh, Jocko Willink. Um, yeah, he talks about the first thing that he does every single morning, every single day is make his bed. Well, I can't make my bed because my wife is laying, <laughs> laying, laying in there also. I don't know. My wife makes our bed with me laying in it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's her signal, like, get up. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, and, I, and I know uh, uh, Ben Bergeron you know, has, uh, has that saying, too. He says, you win the morning, you win the day. And uh, so, to uh, you know, like you were saying, Hunter, to put, uh, set it up where you're getting your priorities done before noon. Mm-hmm. The, like the ones that are the ones that are uh, that are yeah, the most store important. brand says the same yep. thing. There's that uh, productivity sheet that says yep. like these are the three things that I have or the two things that I have to get done today. Best case scenario is you get them done yep. before the halfway point of your day. Yeah, because yeah. an afternoon comes along and who knows you what's are coming downhill yeah. at that point um, as well. But I think it that comes down Ben to building trust in yourself. Mm. I think a lot of times we tell ourselves we're going to do something, and then we don't do it. 
and we tell ourselves we're going to do something else and then we don't do it. And then over time, we just don't believe ourselves. So we say we're going to do something, but deep down, we don't really believe that we're going to do it because we've, Chris talked about this before, we're our own worst critic and we remember all the times that we screwed up and all the times we didn't fall through and so we didn't believe it. So the something as simple as making your bed every day can be a, a way for you to start developing that some trust in yourself. And I promise you, you know, I used to never make my bed up, but I make my bed up every single day now. And I started that about two years ago. And that was like a catalyst for me starting to make different changes in my life because you make your bed up that first morning and then you forget about it. And then you come home that night, you're like, hey, my bed's made up. That's pretty cool. I did something productive today that I said I was going to do. And then the next day you do it. And then now it's like, if my bed is not made up, I do not feel right. Like something inside of me is like, I can't leave. I got to go make my bed up. And if I come home and my bed's messy, it just makes me feel really bad. And so that's, it can be something as simple as developing that habit first. And for me, the morning is so important because you have to get the stuff done in the morning. And I was trying to get stuff done in the afternoon and just something always came up and I was never able to get it done. So now I make sure before I leave the house in the morning, that I have gotten stuff done that is going to further me towards my goals in the future. And the benefit of that as well is like a lot of people work off second wind to try and make the priority things happen. Mm -hmm. But if you get the priorities done in the first half of the day where you're not worried about the rest of the day, that second wind, all that extra crap that like bugs you the rest of the week, you're knocking all that stuff out before 3.30. Exactly. It's just extra. And there's... You feel so good leaving the house in the morning knowing, man, I've already been productive today. I've already gotten stuff done as opposed to what I used to do is roll out of bed, make my shake and hit the road and, 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 and roll in, you know, just trying to trying to figure stuff out. Now I'm like, I've gotten up, I've gotten stuff done that I want to do that's going to further me towards my goal. And we joke about reading all the time, but like I've posted what the books I've read the last couple of years on Instagram and counted them. And I've already like almost tripled how many books I read from two years ago. And that's simply by developing the habit. I read in the morning and I read at night. And if I have time to read during the day, that's fine. That's extra. If I have time to read during the weekend, that's extra. But I develop the habit of every single morning I'm reading, every single night I'm reading, you know, and I'm doing other things too. But that's, and, and you know, that's triple my productivity in that area in two years just by changing those habits. Yeah. And, it, and that, that applies to every single aspect. If you want to get fitter, if you want to lose weight, if you want to do X, it's all it is is figuring out what habit I need to do and figuring out when in my schedule can I do it. And, you know, I, I think doing it in the morning is the best way. Win the morning, win the day. And Ben Bergeron talked about that in his latest podcast, and he kind of talked about he broke his whole day down, and he said everything important is, has been done by noon. And for me, that's the same way because noon comes around, you know, you're – Things are going on. Afternoon gets hectic. You know, it's really hard to get stuff done in the afternoon. If you can get it done in the morning and figure out the the, the most important things you need to do that day and get them done in the morning, it's going to set you up for success. And you can make so much progress in a short amount of time if you do develop those habits. So I've been thinking about this book since we started, but you guys have heard of The Power of Habit. Um, yep. This is from page 58 in The Power of Habit. The author actually says, Want to exercise more? Question mark. Well, why? Yes, we do. It says choose a cue such as going to the gym as soon as you wake up, and a reward such as a smoothie after each workout. Then think about that smoothie or about the endorphin rush you'll feel. Allow yourself to anticipate the reward. Eventually, that craving will make it easier to push through the gym doors every day. 
So he's, he's making the case that uh, new habits are created by putting together a cue, a routine, and a reward, then cultivating a craving that drives the loop. So uh, this is exactly what we're describing. If we're wanting to take old habits out of our life, the basic advice we can give to everyone listening is stop. <laughs> just stop. But in order to stop that, you've got to replace it. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before. You don't just take bad things out. you got to put good things in. So to put in a good new habit, you've got to think about, I've got a cue, then I've got a routine. A cue can be something very simple. Every time I come into the office, after I go eat lunch, then my cue is going to be, I'm going, my cue is walking to the office, I'm going to check my email instead of going to the break room to get that piece of candy. You reward yourself by when you get off work, you're able to stop and get that latte on the way home, you're able to stop and get something that's a little more healthy, stop by and get a smoothie. So you can't just take something out, you got to put something else in. That's such a great book, man. I, I recommend everybody to, to read that because it's so true. You cannot replace, you cannot just stop habits. You can only replace them and you have to replace bad habits with good habits. So you got to figure out what habits do I have and figure out how to replace them. And then for working out, like the, the, you know, you get in a hard workout, the reward is, Hey man, it's going to feel so good when I get to break it down with the class after, after this workout. Cause I know I gave it all out or it's going to feel so good when I sit down and have a kill cliff and talk with, with people. You see the people who are making consistently progress in the gym and coming in here a lot, they're doing the same thing after the workout every single day. They're popping the kill cliff, they're sitting down, they're talking with their buddies. And that's what got them through the workout, that time they spend after the workout. And that's what's what brings them in, gets them, um, gets them through the hard part of the workout and gets them done. So figuring out that cue and the reward is so big for developing the habits. Yeah, I think we're getting there, each of us. And just want to challenge our listeners that you gotta, you have to make sure that you have goals that you can, uh, the things that you can control will get you to those goals. And within those things you control, those things are habits. There's just no way around using that word habit. And uh, we want to make sure to, to challenge people to measure those habits and goals. The thing that we see the most, you guys would agree, is that the that people's habits do not match what they say their goals are. So doing some adjustment there. I think we would also recommend wrapping up this part of the episode is that it takes a lot of evaluation and assessment. You got to have some time to do that. You need to be able to turn off the screen or you need to take some time before you go home after work, stop at a place where you can get some solitude. Say, let me actually assess. You know, a lot of people go into this mode before they actually fall asleep. So turn that screen off, do some assessment. What are, what are the habits I've participated in today? Be amazed how that would spur your growth. You want to completely change your life take one day get completely unplugged go sit outside with a pen and a piece of paper and just start writing whatever comes to your brain where do I want to be in my life what do I want out of life what 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 am I doing now what are my goals what are my priorities and just be by yourself for one day and if you do that and you get unplugged and you just get inside yourself and think about who am I where am I? Where have I been? Where am I going? I promise you it will completely change your life if you do that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I've been, this is something I've been really looking forward to because if there's one thing I'm a pro at, it's complaining. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And These uh, are facts. yeah, Hunter has opened up. Uh, you got to do the uh, outside. Oh no. I think, you, you I think you're, yeah, you're ready to take it over. Outside the box. Oh God, he's just so he, much he, like the doctor. He goes Pepper. a little higher than you. Do. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I'm we not. we gotta get a special uh, soapbox 
sound cue for this ep- for this episode. <laughs> yeah, just ranting on the soapbox. We're getting on the soapbox. On the soapbox. On the soapbox. All right, so we've like slam, up. slam jam radio hosting. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so we've opened up the last part of the episode here for each of us to take roughly five minutes. I don't know how I'm going to contain myself to just five minutes to just kind of rant. About We're something put like a timer on it. Yeah, or yeah, something in pop culture that's just driving us absolutely crazy, okay. or that we feel like complaining about. So I think in in standard fare, we would probably say, Chase, you need to go first. Something pop culture, you're just like, I got to rant about this for just a minute. And Chris has the timer. I have the timer. <laughs> I, I won't hit five minutes. Don't worry. So this is. I think this should be a recurring. Uh, Pop culture segment once a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. once a quarter. Like get, we'll just give. You know what grinds my You know I was just about to say <laughs> <laughs> this Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll start. This is really throwing me. I, I built myself up to be a little upset while I talked, but now I'm just kind of thinking about Peter Griffin. <laughs> um, all right, so I kind of inadvertently dropped the pop, the pop part of the uh, pop culture phrase right there. So it's more just culture. So you may have to, uh, you can add this to, Culture you, are, you already timing yeah. me? No. Oh, okay, you can go ahead, it's fine. Uh, Alright, so what's driving me crazy, literally probably over the past year and a half, is the reactionary culture that has been built into this new coming of age of like, people, any anytime something's even a little divisive, people immediately swing to the far left or the far right, not politically, but like, they either are so for something or so against something. It's either, something's either extremely offensive or it's it's a God given right. It's it, there's no in between anymore on any kind of issue, and it drives me nuts because I like I live in the gray of like nothing's ever black and white, mm. and the entire culture that we in we are in now is purely black and white, and there's no other gray scale to it, and it drives me nuts. Like it, it, anytime I see like I can't even get on Twitter anytime there's something mildly offensive potentially that's come out as of late like yesterday people started pointing at kleenex because their largest size of box is called man size and like i get they probably should rename it but everyone's like this is this is offensive and you should change it immediately kleenex was like we already were like they're just not shipped yet hold on so you're either like buying a bumper sticker to support it or boycotting it for the rest of your life there's not like Hey, I, I was really appreciative. Kleenex was there for me last year when I had the flu. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. So like, thank goodness. The box. Yes. Yeah. Thank goodness. There's a little bit of lotion on that tissue because it, it keeps my nose from hurting yeah. when I wipe. So wiped. you're just trying to say, hey, quit getting your panties in a wipe. Ex- or at least. Oh, I'm sorry. That was probably. Offensive. Sorry. Yeah. Jeez Louise. <laughs> uh, Are you wearing panties? <laughs> no. But it's like people refuse. Get out like, here with your toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> nobody processes their feelings anymore. Like it's they go with their instinct. Or the, or the gut reaction, and that's it. And like that's not fair to anyone, including yourself. Like you'll never have any kind of growth if that's the way you're reacting to everything for the rest of your life. I really like what you're saying there because that uh, that may be part of my five minutes as well. Like if I if I were to even speak the name Kavanaugh on this on this podcast, it's like we would, <laughs> you know, know, everybody just goes crazy and I'm like, you know, I don't know if we really dug into the history. Do you know the history of the other people that are that are on there or yeah. I, I, I have my things that I just I kinda I have like the very few things in my life that I kinda draw a hard line on where I'm like, you know, this is 
This is what this is what I believe about like, it. Like uh, murder stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, progenics. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, like I, I have I have those things that I will listen to your opinion. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're probably not going to convince me to go to go the other way on very 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 few things. But like when when it comes to things like like training, coaching, um, politics, when people get so absolute about something, I yeah. tend to avoid those kinds of very these things in life are absolute. Yeah, gravity and lack of gravity. That's about mm-hmm. it. Vodka. Those two things. That's true. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have to say it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. This kind right. of low hanging fruit. Okay, so your your five minutes is basically centered around just the polarization of society. Yeah, and just like, yeah, we're just driving each other apart when, like, the, most people are preaching, like, God, we want to come together, we want people to be peaceful with each other, but... Do both, you, though? I know, literally everyone on both sides of whatever spectrum are just pointing fingers at the other, saying it's the other's well, fault. Well, like, well, I think I think it's, uh, it's a lot of um, the people that are on the far ends of the spectrum are the only ones that are getting any exposure, also. Right. Right. So that's what that's what we perceive and that's what yeah. we think it's like. So but that probably really, makes it pop culture relevant yeah. because the media is yeah. exposing more so you, how you're really you're yeah. really only seeing the the ten percent over here and the ten percent over there that are just a bunch of yahoos. Yeah. And, uh, Have you guys ever seen it the uh, it's a TED talk where the person breaks down uh, they show a picture of the globe and then they show a picture of the globe based on news coverage? And how inflated particular areas of the world that we that no, we talk I haven't about. Seen that. No, it's, it's that fascinating. Good, I, What's I think, the most median? Um, Surely Sweden or Switzerland or something. Yeah, there's certain countries that almost completely disappear, and of course the Middle East is oh, like whoa. takes over the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, which which is interesting to me, but I think that's part of it. I think we've been taught to be that way. We, you know, from our news networks and all sorts of things that we're exposed to because everything is monetized now. You have to be sensational, and we've developed a culture of sensationalist, and uh, it's just difficult to find the middle. You know, uh, I read something the other day that described everything but the coast as the flyover states. Like whatever's happening, yeah, there, it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. If it's not on the coast, who cares? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's a lot of people that live in flyover states. You know, it isn't yeah. in New York and California, and Florida. They aren't the only. Oh, sorry, we can't rant about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually <laughs> set an alarm. I actually did. Yeah. I agree with you. That was a good call, man. Thanks, I'm, man. I'm on your side there. I think yeah. uh, usually most people that are... Uh, it just makes people scared to talk. Yeah. That are not on the far sides. Like, stuck here in the middle, it's kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It's the whole uh, the murder Trump club, you know, or... We're making America great again, or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, well, he's he's still a president. Somebody, somebody probably brought it, bought his way into the White House. Oh wait, he probably did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's what changed about that guy. He didn't have to have anybody else. All right, so let's go over. Let's go over to Chris, and uh, you have your five minutes. You can set a timer on yourself. Yes, yeah, just <laughs> start that. For yeah, you go ahead. In or out, sweetie. All right, so what I was wanting to talk about is if you uh, if you watch college football, you've seen the last few weeks. Uh, Kelly Bryant, the quarterback from uh, Clemson, he started last year. He got his team to the playoff, and um, he uh, recently uh, basically lost his starting job to a uh, to a true freshman. And so he's getting ready to transfer, and um, because uh, because he wants to go somewhere where he can play, because he wants to be able to um, you know prepare himself to, to be an NFL quarterback. That's his goal. That's his dream. And then you've got another situation at Ohio State with uh, Joey Bosa, 
who uh, got injured, and now his plan is to completely withdraw from the university, get an agent, get uh, get recovered, and start training for the NFL Combine. And so some people would say that they are uh, that they're selfish, and some people say that they're looking out for their best interests. I tend to lean on the end of you know, I mean, yeah, it is selfish, but they have the right to be selfish. But with that in mind. Are team sports like you know the good for the team and all that kind of stuff? Is that something of the past that's going away and never coming back? Go. Yes. 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 I think team sports have disappeared. I mean, even down at the most basic level, in you know, little because I have little guys, you know, that are there's just almost no place for my sons who are 11 and 8 to just investigate the sport for the sport's sake. There's an agenda that drops onto those. Right. And I'm, I'm speaking real, I don't know how this operates in the rest of the world, but where I'm living, raising two sons, having been an athlete myself, to me, I was just having a conversation with a guy about this on the gym floor. I mean, I remember uh, coming through and, and watching this happen when I was even in middle school, a certain sport would turn over, a certain time of year would turn over and a sport would come up and there'd be a guy literally standing at his locker saying, hey, you, you should go out for this, man. you like... Well, I've never done that before. It doesn't matter. Just show up after school. We'll get it figured out. And then this guy becomes, you know, a state champion in high jump or something because he just wandered down there yeah. and got interested and adjusted his habits and all that stuff we've been talking about. Well, now I'm talking with high school baseball coaches in our area, and they're saying, look, if you don't show up in eighth grade able to hit a curveball, I don't have time for you. we got to win. And yeah. so I think the team thing, and there are lots. I'm not trying to pick on and high school any, coaches, and anything goes goes younger than that. I mean, you know, I've been around um, uh, select like baseball coaches, but kids that are in select's like, more toxic. Than yeah, high like like <laughs> fourth and fifth grade, and you know that they'll tell you that that they want to develop the kids, you know, but then their their starting shortstop can't make it to to one of their tournaments, and they bring in a kid from Arkansas to come take his place. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's kind of the the love of the game. Maybe that's what's what's been. Most hurt. Yeah, I think the good of the team, I agree with you on that side of it, but I'm looking at a guy in who's made it into collegiate sports, and I'm thinking, dude, you don't owe Clemson anything. No, you, you don't absolutely owe, don't. owe Ole Miss anything. Because as soon as they as soon as you cycle out, they've got another guy ready and you have to take control of your own, own career and that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a career. I mean that, yeah, it's an it's a career and those those schools are getting rich off of these guys and so I don't have any problem with them doing what's best for them, especially in a sport like football where one bad hit can cost you millions of dollars. Like if you already have an injury and you're gonna be pushing it to come back to get better, um yeah, and you're going to be making multi-millions of dollars in a couple of months. And if you get hurt, you're losing all that. It's going out the window. Like, yeah, go for it. I agree. But, I mean, it, it has changed. It's the, it's the LeBron culture now. You know, I'm going to go to the best place that's given me the best opportunity to win. Forget everybody else, you know. And then compare that to Jordan, who was playing, you know, with the flu. You know, he wasn't going to let his teammates down. He played with one team the entire career. And he, he's playing with the flu. He's playing sick. And, it's just different, different culture now. You know, yeah. it's it's different. Remember that uh, famous Isaiah Thomas game where he he played like that guy could have literally destroyed his ankle for the rest of his life, but he's out there playing for the good of the team. Those guys, was it Kevin McHale or uh, one of one of those guys played like with a bum foot and it just completely and he's still limping because of it because oh. he played in the playoffs when he was hurt, but there was no way he was sitting out yeah out the playoffs. 
Ronnie Lott uh, broke his uh, broke his pinky in a game playing uh, playing safety, and they were not going to let him uh, let him play because like it was broken in a way that like uh, they would have might have had to amputate it if he'd have hurt even worse. He slammed his hand on the table and said, "Cut it off." Whoa. They ended up putting just a big cast on his hand. He played the rest of that game with this with this huge. That's cast. many interceptions after that, but he yeah. smacked the ball real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it just comes to more money. There's more money involved, and people are doing it for for money. And you know they're realizing like, hey, I'm pl- if I if I get hurt, I'm costing myself tens of millions of dollars in the future. And so yeah. I'm, I'm looking out for but, me and my family and all yeah. that. But yeah, it's but just at the same time. At the same time, I, I always say nobody's making you play football for a living. That's right. That's right. But I, I think I extend a little sympathy now. Like, I was stuck in the snowman's land for a while, like, just mad about that. But the guys who are pursuing this as a career and are making money off this and are being taken advantage of, even at the college level, you know, it's it's the guys in the in the press box that are making the money, not, not the athletes, supposedly. Uh, but getting on to that, I think that that's fine. If that's the path you've taken, you have that physical ability and you've worked hard, good for you, man. Make the decisions you need to make. But when it starts affecting at a at a very cultural level, elementary school kids and how those kids are approaching the sport, I just grieve a lot. Yeah, uh, me that too. There, there's less lane of discovery inside of sports for younger kids. Uh, so yeah, the, the disappearance of team that's a that's a big thing. Yeah, I feel like the only pure team sport left is like long distance rowing. Mm. The only ones that still get it. Yeah, because right. there's no money in it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For the love of the game. For the love of the game. <laughs> All right, so we need to we need to transfer over to you, Hunter. Five minutes of just straight griping, which actually it hadn't been griping. It's been disgusting. Yeah. Well, I'll start it after you get the topic. No, I'm going to talk for five minutes. So you go ahead. And <laughs> you just go okay. on ahead. Hi, I'm going to gripe because this is, in my opinion, the single biggest travesty, the single biggest threat to this gym, to this podcast, probably to iTunes in general. Gravity. Dude, he's sitting right there. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that none of you three still have not watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> you got mad about really, this yesterday. really grinds my gears. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I need to be able to discuss the show with you guys on the, on the air. This, on the, the, the last season is coming up in March or so, April, sometime in there. And this is going to be the most historical Talked about last show, last season of a show ever in his Forget Lost. No, forget it's going to blow it out of the water. Yeah. The, when he finishes the books, these books are going to go down, in my opinion, as the greatest science fiction books ever written. Okay, when he finishes them. This will probably go down as the greatest TV show of all time. Every single episode that comes out this season is going to be full-length movie quality episode. It's going to be, nobody knows what's going to happen because he hadn't gotten there in the books. It's going to be epic. And you guys have had... A year now. We've we've been on this podcast for a year, and you have watched Tots playing football, and, and <laughs> you watched Snoop Dogg coaching yeah, football. Yeah, dude. you 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 found time and to watch my ride, hit my ride, and all that stuff. And you have not found time to watch Game of Thrones as a travesty. And, I, and quite frankly, I'm offended. I'm offended. <laughs> disappointed. I'm disappointed yeah. and offended. Kleenex pales in comparison <laughs> to your inability so, to watch the show. We have the holidays coming up. You have time to watch. There's only 10, episode, 10 episodes per season. Six seasons, I think. Lee, my brother-in-law, just started the show last week. He's already watched all episodes. All of them. In a week and a half. 
Is that's that how good it is. The whole, the whole Look, season. This is how good it is. It he didn't is even so get to good. Read while it has the it. best character development. It has the best plot. There's so much stuff going on. It is just incredible, incredible show. You guys need to watch it. He's gonna wave the rest of his time to me. My name is Earl. <laughs> no, 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 no. Speaking of accountability, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna ask you from every episode from now on if you started watching it. Started watching anything? Well, it's just kind of like Vikings, only different, right? No, no, it's not like anything else you've ever seen. Like Lord of the Rings, though. It's it's not like Lord of the Rings. It's better. Oh, whoa, whoa! I'm telling you, I re- I love Lord of the Rings. That, I read the books. <laughs> I read the books. I watched the movies. Lord of the Rings was great. the The scope of Game of Thrones is so much bigger than Lord of the Rings. I know he spent a lot of time developing that that world. George Martin's world is probably bigger than Lord of the Rings, and there's a lot more characters, and the characters are more developed. There's just a lot more going on. It's just it's better. It's better than Lord of the Rings. So you're telling me it's better than King of the Hill? Yes. Easy. Yeah, well, he thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it'll be the best show that I've ever watched when it's all said and done. So really after... And I've watched, Breaking, I've watched Breaking Bad, Sopranos, uh, Mad Men. I watched all of them. And this is this will be the most... The best. This is the one. This is it. You gotta watch it. And if you... You're doing yourselves a disservice if you miss out on being a part of this last season. I'm telling you right now. So after Game of Thrones, you just have no reason to watch anything ever. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> You've hit your binge watching prime. Yeah. Mm, so right. look, I've had to consider it like six or seven different times because there are like there are a couple of things that people talk to me about like needing to get involved with. You know, Game of Thrones is usually like number one. Hey, you're doing our audience a disservice by not being able to discuss Game of Thrones with. <laughs> We're missing prime time quality podcast material. You are. I do not know the name of a single character in the show. Not uh, even one. Tyronius. Tyrion. Tyronius. <laughs> I remember uh, it was a couple of Halloweens ago. Like everybody was a Game of Thrones character. Yeah, everybody. I was like, whoa. Next just... next year will be the year. I'm telling you. When after that last season, it's. I mean, they they've set it up. It's going to be epic. It's going to be crazy. Mm. All right. So start it like episode one, season one. Yeah. What I would like to do is after after he watches his final season, maybe we. After whoever watches this final season of Game of Thrones, we revisit our Outside the Box from last week, or last episode, you know, most disappointing, waste of times, whatever, mm-hmm. and just see what happens with this last season. Because mm-hmm. it's got so much hype, the yeah. only hope I have is that Watch it sucks. It <laughs> it's not going to. I mean, if you watch the show, you know there's no way it's going to bomb, no so, matter what, no matter how it ends. It can't fail. No. Mm, famous last words. Cannot mm. fail. All right, Game of Thrones. You guys can use my HBO Go info if you need it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have any No, it's not illegal. <laughs> we would never do that, Hunter. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. Uh, all right, so is it down to my five minutes? It's yours. Yeah. You better top that. No, I can't. Like, I mean, you guys have taken, like, the whole team and sports thing was, was one of mine. <laughs> um, especially the polarization of society was another one of mine. Uh, I, I'll tell you, this will just be, this won't take five minutes. This is just a complaint I have. I think part of the downfall of our society is the placement of screens in every every possible area known to man. I'm pumping gas. I got to watch a screen. Okay. I'm sitting behind somebody in the carpool line. I've got to watch a screen because these the, the kids that I'm behind, they have to spend a whopping 12 minutes in the carpool line, and the parents are like firing up the movie for this 12-minute ride. It's just driving me crazy. And you know what has actually sent me over the edge? 
Fortnite has sent me over <laughs> the edge. I'm like, I thought Minecraft was bad. Now we've hit Fortnite. Minecraft, it was just... Why? It, what? It what went crazy. This? It went crazy. But Fortnite just took it to a whole nother level. All right? So screens everywhere. And on top of that, we got people like doing dances. We're combined, combining topics here because we have guys scoring in the NFL doing Fortnite dances. Like, this is absolutely insane. So for me, I'm kind of on this... Um, I'm building up for this journey to actually get rid of my iPhone. Which, if you know me, is not that crazy because wow. I, I kind of lose it on a daily basis. Yeah. You got I, your iPad, though. I leave it places all the time. Yeah, I love Apple products for po productivity and getting work done. But I feel like, for me, one of those things that I do habitually is get trapped in whatever the iPhone's telling me to get trapped in. Uh, so I think, for me, if I had to pick on something in culture that is actually the downfall that's going to ruin our society, it would be screens. And we're seeing this from the large companies that are starting to talk about and take responsibility for how much time people are spending on them and the problems that it's actually causing. So we've decided to take on soda. I saw this in an episode of um, that new hospital show on NBC, Amsterdam, New Amsterdam. They were talking about soda funding a, uh, a garden at a hospital for kids and like, we can't take this money. It's from soda. So I think these, these big companies that are really hurting society and keeping us from being healthy, well-rounded people uh, are having to kind of take ownership for the profit that they're making. I don't think Screens or Apple or any of those other companies are going anywhere, uh, but I think too few people are talking about how intrusive Screens have become in our lives. Word. Yeah. <laughs> As we finish talking about Games of Thrones. Everybody's so passionate. Look. I'm, I'm saying this because I know it automatically... So emotionally drained from that Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, man. It, <laughs> takes me out, it takes me out of where culture is headed. I get that. It kind of makes me the uh, the fuddy-duddy of the group. Wow. Uh, thank you very much. I only I get that right yeah, now. It's um, a shame. But I'm start calling you fuddy-duddy. Hey, what's up, fuddy? Hey, chief fuddy-duddy. <laughs> fuddy-duddy chief. Uh, but I think it's something we need to start talking about. Our, our children are so sedentary. Yeah. Um, because of screens and it's so, like as far as in my circles very few parents are actually talking about about this these days I agree with the sedentary aspect of modern society it's just killing killing people yeah literally not I'm not even talking about the content I mean the content is up to you your personal beliefs I'm not going to force any of that's any of those filters on you there's at least a little bit of awareness being brought to it though like you know with the the push of CrossFit like they like the NFL play 60 thing and yeah. all of that well um, even Apple in their latest update has has put in as a default screen time limitations I mean my phone now shuts off at 10 it won't let me do anything till 7 the next morning uh, which doesn't match my rhythm but I guess it, did my wife do that or did Apple do that the screen. Did, did you update to the latest iOS? Yeah, it does not do that. <laughs> it's like somebody's played a trick on me. But at any rate, you can get in there and see like what you spent most your most time doing, which you've always been able to do that. But um, now, it, like, it'll pop up and say you spent this much. Yeah, you time. reduced. Like, uh, I've spent some time in the woods this past week, and <laughs> I had I had three minutes of screen time the entire time in the woods, and it sent me a notification the second we got out of there. Yeah. Hey, you've dropped your screen usage by twenty seven percent this week. Congratulations, we missed you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I had no signal, no, but I I think if if we could, um, it's interesting that 
these things happen as the world develops and we're always late to realize the ramifications of, of what's going on. Like now, if you see a person smoking outside of a restaurant, you're like, dude, did you not get the memo? That stuff's really bad for you. Yeah. Uh, but you roll back into some of these older movies and stuff. Everybody's got a cigarette. Yep. I think this is the, the screens are the new tobacco. You know, I think mm. a generation from now, people, you heard it here first. Yeah. So. You, a generation from now, people are going to be like, Oh my gosh, look at all these people in this movie on their phones. Yeah. And like, we're gonna wake up to it eventually. It's gonna be a lot of stuff thirty years from now. We're like, wow, what were we thinking? Yeah. There was a there was a comic that came out, or comic loosely stated, in that like people were trying to validate our screen users by a picture of a group of men from like the forties all reading newspapers at the same time. And my like even as a millennial, I'm like, you cannot even fathom trying to. Like equate those two things. That no, doesn't no. make any sense. Not at all. No. Not at all. What's interesting to me is if you go back and look, um, if you start looking at, if you just start with family radio, mm-hmm. and you go back to where those pictures take you, everybody's in the living room. It's this big piece of furniture. They're all, they're listening to like whatever those shows were. That, yeah. Uh, the one that flipped everybody out. What was that? The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world is convinced the world's ending. But anyway, you, you go from that and. You trace it all the way. You go through the Walkman years. Then you get the earbuds. You're like, whoa, things have really changed. I think it's going to correct itself. I I heard something interesting that millennials actually prefer to read books, regular books, than books on screen. The people that like to read books on screen are, are older people. Yeah. And yeah. so like millennials are like pulling away from the screen because they... They want to do stuff away from the screen, and I think you'll start seeing a little self-correction in that aspect as well. As as people come up who have been around screens their whole life, maybe they start looking into other avenues and stuff. Yeah. And it's just something we have to be aware of. Each person has – I mean, there's a lot of great benefits to having the phone. No doubt. It's, prob- it's probably actually worse for us because we didn't grow up our yeah. entire lives with screens. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. so many benefits that come from having the phone, like so many abilities and things that we can do that we couldn't do 10 years ago. Um, like it's so easy to track my food on my phone. Like I feel lost if I had to track my food because I have no idea what, you know, how much I've eaten that day. And so it helps me in that aspect. And there's a million other things that you can just, you can find the answer just about anything just in a second. So there's a lot of benefits to it, but you have to be, you have to temper that with constantly checking Instagram every, every five minutes or whatever. So it's no doubt, no doubt. The word that my sons know the most right now is moderation. Because I, I think that's the key to, to a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast in general. <laughs> yeah. Moderation. You know, watching Just Game of, that out there for everything, huh? Yeah, watching Game of Thrones in moderation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I would slam, prefer moderation. Slam my finger in the door. Yeah, just moderation on <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. Not too much. All right, so we got to recommends. I feel like we're really dropping the ball on these recommends because Hunter's... I've got one. You, oh, thank goodness, man. Yeah. Like, balance out the ratio. Yeah. We know Hunter's got a book on the way he's going to talk about. You know, like, uh, yeah, jump rope, jump rope, first. jump rope, anomics or something. Hip hop, hippopotamus. Hip hop. What's your recommend, Chase? All right, so my recommend, if you're a local listener, meaning like within the the Jackson Metro area, the city of Ridgeland has a bike trail that's like multiple miles long and very very pretty to walk through. Go do that. So walk the bike trail. Yeah, it's great. You get to walk along the Natchez Trace. You can get to you see bike it. the bike trail? You can if you want. Cool. Maybe we'll get some people 
some of our global listeners to fly into. True. <laughs> hey, while you're doing it, wear a uh, Coyote shirt. Yeah, wear a Coyote shirt. Well, I think what you do is get one of those uh, brackets that you can put on the front of your bike so you can watch Game of Thrones while biking the bike trail. Mm, yeah. Wow. So screens don't really ruin your life if you're not being sedentary while you do it. <laughs> That's right. If you're pedaling a bike and watching a screen, you're all good to go. But the bike powers the screen. So the faster mm. you pedal, the more you get to, the brightness goes up. Yeah. So this is in Ridgeland, Ridgeland Parks and Rec. No, right. it's, a, it's well, over they off, made, of, uh, they, off Livingston Road, isn't it? There's a bunch of entrances. You can go to the, you can go on the trace and go to the Overlook and take that loop all the way back through. There's a lot of ways to get onto it. Cool. And if you live somewhere else, just go to your local bike park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you talking about the the paved trail or mm-hmm. the? Okay, I thought you were talking about the one. No, not the Livingston not the mountain Road. bike ones. Okay, that's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I think that's a little treacherous to walk because you got those dudes hopping those hills coming at you. Challenge accepted. All right, what do you got Sweet. for us, Hunter? Nike Nomics. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> really, yeah, running with this joke. <laughs> so uh, I got another book today. This book was recommended to me by uh, Doctor John Isaacs from the gym. Whoa! And uh, must Doc, be serious. I really enjoyed it. Good. It's called uh, "Rising Tide: The Great Mississippi Flood of 1927." Oh, I've read this book. How it changed America by John Barry. Uh, I didn't know much about the flood of 27. It's a little bit before my time. But well, uh, I, I lived through it. That was, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> Tell us right, about it, Ben. It's right after the, the Lots of water. Yeah, lots of water. Man, I thought with the whole Noah thing, we were like, glad that's over. I'll yeah. never forget. I was only a year away from graduating from college. <laughs> so it was I was sitting out my senior year of Clemson because yeah. I was beat out by a freshman. <laughs> it was a fascinating book. I mean, he, I mean, it was tremendously researched, and he broke down uh, – the, the fight to determine how are they going to control the Mississippi River because apparently the Mississippi River is just wild and floods all the time and or it used to flood all the time they're you know having to decide whether they're going to use reservoirs or build up uh, levees higher or whatever the case would be to control the flooding and there's this guy who was like exploring the Mississippi River and he put on this suit and walk a- across the bottom of the Mississippi River in pitch black to like d- determine like you know the contour of the, the water and all this type of stuff and then it just talks about how they got to come to the point where in 27 it flooded and just destroyed like thousands of homes and, and killed a lot of people. And like the um, government dropping the ball for decades on how to control the Mississippi River and, and like they just did not do anything. They knew they needed to do something and they just, you know, bureaucracy and all this type of stuff got caught up and nothing got done. And eventually it came back to bite them and there was this huge flood. And it completely wipes out all this, all this, you know, a big part of the country. I mean, it flooded from I think like Missouri all the way down to to New Orleans, and then it completely changed the the landscape of the South. Like it completely wiped out some very prosperous areas uh, along the Mississippi River, and people that were living there had to move and go somewhere else. And these once prosperous areas, like Greenville, for example, like just started dying after the flood. And it's just really interesting to show all the stuff, all the uh, bumbling and stumbling and screw-ups that led to this flood leading up to it, like from hundreds of years leading up to it, and then the ramifications of the flood after it and, and what, what it caused after it. And I saw, I saw a lot of parallels to Katrina. Same thing, you know, in New Orleans, they knew that they had to fix the levees for decades and decades, and they didn't ever fix them. And Katrina hits and then the, the levees flood and it just ruins the city and it just goes to show you how you know this bureaucracy can can cause 
so much tremendous problem because it takes so much to get anything done. There's always an agenda behind everything and there's always somebody trying to use something to promote their agenda or they're voting against something because they have their own agenda they're trying to push and then just the ramifications of one event and how it can completely change the landscape of of a country so it was fascinating book it was the research you know that was done was phenomenal to me I could not believe I was just thinking to myself how much time this guy spent on researching this book so it was a fascinating book and and just being from this area in general you know we can I could relate to a lot of the areas and and it kind of showed why Mississippi is the way it is and why certain cities are the way they are um, so it was really cool so I'd highly recommend checking out that book if you if you like history at all I don't even have to read it now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it well he made it very personal I, that's what I liked yeah. about that book it's like this event was pretty tragic but he takes you an awful lot to process today. yeah this yeah. is how especially when it like show showing the fact that people are like trying to find the high ground and having to figure out how do we handle this racial yeah. dynamic and, and yeah the, the whole racial dynamic is is fascinating too and it just it just goes to show you how much things have changed and that was about almost 190 years ago how completely different the landscape of america is now um than it was 90 years ago and just thinking how different it's going to be 90 years from now um, it's just crazy. All right, I actually have a recommend too. This will be brief. Uh, it's related to my five-minute rant, but I'm looking into this. I'm going to recommend it because I think I'm going to pull the trigger on this. It's called the Light Phone. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically like remember the original Kindles that were the um, paper white, whatever the ink display yeah, yeah. is. Uh, so it's a uh, and this is really big now among millennials, but it's a minimalist phone. So it does what you really need a phone to do without any of the extra stuff. You really don't have a lot of apps on it, but you can you can GPS, you can message, you can phone call. Uh, but the idea is that you're using your phone instead of your phone using you. I'm pretty excited about if this sort of movement takes off. It could be a part of this uh, correction. It was it was crowdfunded. I'm looking at the stats right now. It's raised almost two million dollars. Wow. Two million bucks. Wow. So it could show that the the trend is changing. But you can look it up. It's uh, Indiegogo. You can just look up Light Phone L I G H T Phone, Light Phone Two, and uh, you can read all about it. I'm hopeful that it's going to put a dent in the cell phone market when these things come out. So. Does, does it come with a case of beard balm and Pabst Blue Ribbon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like well, that's the cover. Is a Pabst cover. So. Yeah. And typewriter ink. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it interesting how anything that just comes out that just goes to the extreme, it all, all always gets self-corrected back to the middle. Like yeah. just yeah. binging on the, it's just a cycle all throughout history. It's a cycle. It swings one way, swings the other way, but it's always going back to the middle. And this, everything, information, all my fingertips, I have everything I need all right now, 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 now. And now people are starting to swing back more towards like, no, I got to get away from this information overload. I got to get out of nature. I need... I just need my phone just for a couple of things, and yeah, and it's funny how the the millennials are the people who are driving that. So Chase is the guy like trying to hold that pendulum right in the middle. Yeah, there's no need to swing this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's all me. Stay away from it. Clocks are digital now, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how do we wrap this? It's an interesting, fascinating thing we discovered. If he would do here. some CrossFit, he might be able to hold a pendulum a little bit better. Oh, good call. Yeah, that's why you should build your CrossFit endurance. 